Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, but most importantly, bought and paid for, bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to better understand and defend your faith by thinking biblically, the same way Jesus did it. I am psyched to introduce my guest on today's show, Mike Higgs. Mike is a spiritual entrepreneur with a passion for Christ and a heart for the emerging generations. For 45 years, he has served nationally as an advocate for prayer in the youth ministry and an advocate for youth ministry in the prayer movement. He got a Bachelor of Arts in Liberal Studies and Journalism from Oregon State University and a Master of Arts in New Testament Language and Literature from Western Seminary. He served as a youth pastor for 16 years in the Willamette Valley and then started and led two Portland-based nonprofits for 18 years. The Portland Youth Foundation focused on training and networking youth ministers and Link Ministries, which mobilized prayer both locally and nationally in the youth ministry sphere. In 2012, Mike and his wife, Terry, relocated to the Sun Valley area of South Central Idaho, where they operate a private retreat house and run two more nonprofits. From 2016 through early 2022, Mike has returned to Portland monthly to curate the Portland Collective, which focuses on mentoring and training youth leaders. Mike, big shout out from here at Rip City. <laughs> Thanks, Roy. Rip City, boy. <laughs> I haven't heard that for a while, you know. <laughs> I figured you, you're a longtime Portlander. You'd get it. <laughs> you know, uh, absolutely. Yeah, born and raised in Portland. First time I saw him, Michael Jordan was at his rookie year at a Portland Trailblazer game. Really? Wow. Super yeah. cool. Let me just start off with why youth? What captured your heart for that area? I was not raised in the church. Actually, I was raised Mormon. Left that at about 13, which is another whole conversation. <laughs> uh, and was probably in high school, probably uh, spiritually agnostic. Okay. And Young Life was a big deal when I was in high school. And the Young Life leader, whose name is Ron Kincaid, who still pastors in Portland. Wow. Um, he did everything a youth leader is supposed to do. He showed an interest in me. He came to my games. He mm. let me play guitar at club. He had club at my at my parents' house. Wow. And so that kind of drew me in mm. and went to a weekend retreat, heard the claims of Christ, really for the first time, placed my faith in Christ, then tried to live a religious life for a couple of weeks and didn't have much success. <laughs> I kind of put it on the shelf and went off to college, you know, had every inclination of becoming a medical doctor, but okay. partied my way out of medical school. <laughs> and that was a crisis in my life spiritually. And so long story, the summary is really made a 180 turnabout, was all in, mm -hmm. hair on fire for Jesus, graduated, was a sports writer and a journalist oh, out of cool. college. My church needed a guitar player back then you, there wasn't such a thing as a worship leader you know <laughs> it was a guitar player okay <laughs> and so i did that in college and so 
I threw in with that. They were just starting a youth group. A couple months later, they invited me to come on the staff as an intern to go to seminary. And as I considered that, you know, I reflected back on what Ron had done in my life. Mm. And I said, uh, mm. that had such an impact on me mm. that I wanted to do that as well. Ah, and so it was cool. his modeling of that, which had the biggest influence on my life. I mean, there's, there's a number of people along the way that, that helped guide me too, but, uh, what gave me an interest in youth ministry and, you know, 45 years later, my role has changed, but youth ministry is still my tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You know? I love what you said about that. And it, I wasn't expecting this, so we're going to kind of go with it. 80% of Christian kids are leaving the faith. But what you said, I think, was brilliant. Ron Kincaid did what every good youth minister should do, and that was he got involved in your life. And I think a lot of people focus a lot on the head knowledge and the books, but a critical piece of our success here in Portland over the last six or seven years has been one-on-one involvement with kids. That is so insightful. I don't want to go all cliche on you, but (laughs) Christianity is more caught than taught. Yes. Jesus taught amazing stuff a lot, but it was all in the context of relationships. And his followers, he taught them, but they caught it from him as much. So that gets back to disciple making. Exactly. If you were to take a critical analysis of the church today. And I'm not going to say this is the biggest missing piece, sure, but it's one of the sure. biggest. It's a lack of disciple making. Yep. Yep. And we've had attempts at it still today. I think that the reason 80% of kids leave the church and oftentimes and we don't know in terms of Gen Z because the data is not there. Sure. You know, sure. because they're still young. Yes. Uh, but with Gen X, A big chunk of them left the church, but they didn't leave the faith and they're coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back. That being said, you know, Gen Z is leaving the church because of the lack of relationship within the church. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And, you know, here I'm a product of what's called modern youth ministry, right? Which is a really good thing. There's also been some drawbacks to it. I mean, <laughs> modern youth ministry came to pass, at least in the local church, when the local church began to more intentionally silo their age demographics. Yes. And so you got teenagers who like, oh, we don't know what to do with these, you know, <laughs> sex, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. What are we going to do? We're going to silo them, and they're going to meet on Wednesday nights and, yeah. you know, maybe come to church on Sundays. That's fine. And... You know, I was a part of that, but it didn't give them the depth and breadth of relationship within the body of Christ. And then in the last couple of years, Roy, you throw in COVID. And so everybody's starved for relationship, but especially teenagers. Yep. And so where are they going to go? Social media. Yep. Not exactly the best place for your (laughs) spiritual health. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, And I think one of the things that I've learned through COVID is that everybody understands the need for relationship and connection these days. And now 
every single person I talk to, you know, Christian, non-Christian, Muslim, atheist, anybody is like, oh yeah, <laughs> one thing's obvious to the whole world. It's that we are, we need connection. We need connection with other people. You know, they're not using these words, but what they're saying is we were created for relationship. And to me, and I'm sure you've got this same heart, Mike, I'm always evangelistic. I'm always looking for, okay, how can I introduce the people that I'm around to my best friend, my Lord and Savior, the creator of the universe? Like I'm always like, and there's so many opportunities today to just go from, yeah, you know what? Relationship is a big thing. Why do you think that is? Why, why do you think it is that people stuck in their homes and isolated? Why was that such a huge crisis for everybody you know the best relationship you can have is with him not just with other people so totally i mean it goes back to the garden right yes he, he created <laughs> adam it wasn't good for adam to be alone exactly right and so he exactly. was in relationship fast forward several thousand years the metaphor of the body of christ is interconnectedness in youth ministry today youth workers are focusing on three questions. These are the ones that they need to look at. And the questions are about identity, belonging, and purpose. Yes, absolutely. You know, yep. Who am I? Yep. You know, uh, belonging, yep. who do I connect to? Purpose, yep. why am I here? Yeah. And the belonging piece, social media has the biggest impact, negative impact on kids' identities because mm. They go online, all they see is curated lives. That's not what reality is like, but yep. you know, people curate their best life and put it on there and variety of other gender dysphoria. There is a myriad of attacks on the identity of young people and then belonging. You know, where are you going to belong? If you've had COVID and school has been online, then you're losing your peer connection. You're losing your church connection. Relationships are a big deal. Really, really big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and it really has been, you know, not to get too crazy, I'll, I'll bring it back here, but I see it as a, a tactic, a strategy of the enemy. Anytime he can divide us and isolate us and get us back, you know, like you said, back to that original thing that wasn't good. Anytime he can get us alone, you know, we're ripe for the picking. <laughs> you know, we're, we're set on destruction. This is not a good thing. And so I do everything I can to try and bring kids and generations and stuff together. And so what a cool thing to look back at what you've accomplished in the last, you know, 45 years, especially in Portland and been a part of that. Let's go back to, you know, maybe when you started the Billy Graham crusade. I think there was one like way back in the fifties in Portland. That was before both of our times. I think it was 64. It's okay. 64. Yeah. So yeah. The next one, the 92 one, I've heard a lot of, about that. And it was kind of almost, people talk about it almost like a unique, magical time where God was doing something in Portland that you just couldn't explain and put your finger on other than just it was God. So take me back. If you were part of that, how yeah, you were involved, sure. what was that like? So Roy, that was a magical <laughs> in, in a spiritual sense, uh, yeah. you know, a magical time. But God had set the stage. Youth ministry in the Portland area had always had strong networking mm. going back to the 70s. Wow. You know? And so there was a pretty good unity in mm. the city, in the youth ministry world. 
And then there was a couple other things that had emerged that helped build city unity. One of them was an organization called Mission Portland. And the other was a movement called at the time Northwest Renewal Ministries, and then eventually became International Renewal Ministries and the Pastors Prayer Summit movement. Hmm. And so those things both emerged in Portland. And then Billy Graham, Graham came to town and he sent in a guy, Tom Phillips, a year ahead of time to kind of get things going. And there was really unprecedented unity in the city. And, hmm. you know, Tom wow. Phillips, who's still around today, he would agree that there was something very unique that was happening in Portland. The youth committee was very large and very diverse. We did a pre-crusade rally at the, it was called the Memorial Coliseum at the time. I don't know what okay. it's called now. <laughs> we had 10,000 kids show up and a thousand kids trusted Christ before Billy Graham even got to town. <laughs> yeah. Wow! And so Billy Graham comes and does this thing. And they do their evaluation afterwards. And the biggest age demographic where decisions were made was teenagers. Really? Wow. Fascinating. And, I mean, Billy Graham, you know what I mean? And back then, they would have a youth night. Huh. And the music was Michael Card. <laughs> I, I don't know if, if your listeners know about Michael Card, but it's not exactly, you know, reggae or acid rock. <laughs> you know? When the crusade was over, the committee met and said, something's going on here. It's very unique. Uh, and we need to keep this going. And at that wow. time, I was a burned out youth pastor who had just mm. resigned from his local church youth ministry position. And I was fried and I didn't know what I was going to do next. I didn't know how to support my family, et cetera. And so we had this meeting. I left the meeting and I walked into the elevator and two African-American youth pastors from Mount Olivet Baptist Church walked in the elevator, the door shut. They turned around to me and they said, you're the guy to lead this. <laughs> and just been getting out of the elevator till you say yes <laughs> i know i know and i'm like a middle-aged white guy going hmm i set up a nonprofit. i got involved with the international new ministries with mission portland and you know there's a lot of spiritual synergy that probably lasted almost a decade after that mm. and it certainly wow. involved the youth ministry realm I mean, we did three mm. or four downtown events called Prayer in the Square, mm. which, you know, we drew thousands of kids to Pioneer Courthouse Square in downtown wow. Portland for wow. a, a prayer and worship night. There were some really crazy supernatural stories that happened down during those cool. times. Wow. It was very, 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 very cool. And then probably a mm. decade after that, the Louise Plow Association you know, felt led to do, I think they'd been doing crusades, can't remember, but yeah. whatever they called it, they changed the name and the format to festivals. Yeah. And so our whole Portland Youth Foundation got involved with the plow team and the festivals. The momentum kept going. Wow. Yeah. And you know the story, the three festivals that they had in Portland, the impact that they had and continue to have in Portland. And so- Although there have been seasons where the spiritual tide ebbed and flowed in Portland, sure. there, there were some significant seasons when wow. God was really moving in some cool ways. 
Wow, that is super cool. Now, there's another guy, a couple other guys that I've um, been working with and talking to. Another one is Ron Mars from Western Seminary. How does he fit into that? Guys connect or work together? Yeah, we connected back 45 years ago. Of course, I got in youth ministry when I was five years old, right? You know? uh, I, I kept saying 45 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm an old guy, and, you know, Ron won't like this, but he's even older than me. Uh, but he was a youth pastor in Olympia, Washington, and I told you earlier that networking and training was a big deal mm, in Portland yeah, yeah. in the 70s, and there was Northwest wide training that happened here in Portland. And oh, so I cool. met Ron through that and through the National Network of Youth Ministries. And when he came to Western Seminary, we just partnered. We were, mm. we were already friends and we partnered. Sure. And so when God relocated us to Idaho, I kind of said, you know, Portland Youth Foundation, it's your baby, you know, ah, have a good time. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Turned it over to him. I think it's called the Portland Youth Workers Network now. Yes. Ron has a day job, right? When I did the Portland Youth Foundation, <laughs> that was my full-time job. Right. And Ron already has a day job, but he has done a tremendous job of keeping networking keeping and going. training. Wow. And it's pretty mm. diverse. The generations have changed. Mm. You know, he and I are the old guys. And there's a lot of 20-somethings and 30-somethings that are connected. You know, the panoramic view of youth ministry in Portland is while there are still many challenges as you know, as anyone who has, you know, taken the spiritual temperature of Portland knows, <laughs> it's a very diverse, liberal, sure. crazy, you know, Portland and Austin, Texas kind of fight for the, for the, you Who's know, weirder? <laughs> yeah, keep Portland weird. And, you know, I live in Idaho now, Roy, you know, I was born and raised in Portland. Sure. I spent a lot, most of my life in Portland and I love it. I was there last spring and I'm downtown Portland and I pull up at a stoplight and there's a city of Portland truck next to me. And on its side, it says city of Portland, the city that works. And I thought to myself, <laughs> not, not so much lately, you know, exactly. And as I look around me and all the businesses are boarded up, you know, and in the midst of all that, there's cool things going on. Exactly. You know? exactly. I mean, even today, there's a city gospel movement that the Plow organization is helping curate. There's a re-energized prayer movement. I mean, there's cool things going on. Yeah. yeah and, and, and Ron Mars has been involved in a lot of that. He's doing outstanding work. And that's what makes it so exciting to be a part of what's going on now is, at least to me, it's so obvious that it's more than just a bunch of clever folks who've got a great plan and plenty of resources and they're executing to their objectives. It's more like, hey, there's a bunch of people who love Jesus and we're kind of stumbling forward together and trying to keep the focus on the main thing. But most of all, at the end of the day, it's like, wow, God's doing stuff. And that's that's what makes it exciting. So back when you were kicking this off with the Billy Graham crusade in the 90s and the Portland Youth foundation what were the kind of things that kids were struggling with then and how would you compare them to what they're struggling with now were they struggling with truth as a concept were they struggling with 
their sexuality as much as they are today? And what were the difficult things of the day back then? I'm not sure I'd want to be a youth pastor today. They're really needed. And I probably would. But, you know, when I started out, the issues that adolescents dealt with are so, so different than Mm. they are now. Mm. And in the 90s, around the time of Billy Graham, et cetera, some of the more serious issues, gender identity, truth, those things that you mentioned, they were starting to surface. And so youth ministry was was kind of aware, but probably wasn't out in front of it Mm. like we could have been. Mm. I think that the church tends to be reactive rather than proactive in terms of being uh, students of the culture. Yes. Mm. And Mm. so now you've got these incredible issues that kids are dealing with. And family dysfunction is even crazier than it used to be. You could make an argument that the biggest, most challenging issue in the world is fatherlessness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, worldwide. And in our culture, fathers being either physically, uh, emotionally, or spiritually absent from the home. Mm. It's a really, really big deal. Now, that was a big deal back in the 70s, but it's an even bigger deal now. The gender issues, the truth, you know, truth issues is, you know, who is Jesus? Uh, The veracity of the scripture, those things are just front and center. And so rather than gathering kids into a cool setting where you've got live music and a smoke machine, kids are starving for meaningful relationships. Mm. They're starving for truth. Mm. I mean, that goes clear back to Jesus's time, right? Oh, yeah. Pilate, what is truth? That's right. Well, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Uh, Mm. And and kids now are like, okay, what is truth? Who am I? What's my identity? That's right. You know, am I LGBTQ? Cliques and peer groups were a challenging issue back in the day, there was a defined subset of those. Now it's so splintered. It's not like a social group that you fit into. You just kind of try to find your way, stumble so, your way through yeah. adolescence. And, uh, you know, you've been taking classes online and, you you know, your church, with the exception of a few churches, most churches weren't meeting, you know, in person on Sunday mornings sure. and youth sure. groups weren't meeting. What a bummer of a time to be an adolescent. Yeah, Yeah. really tough. The youth pastors who understand the times, like the sons of Issachar, they are making, reestablishing relationships a priority with these kids and then walk with them through their adolescent challenges. Incarnate truth to them. Mm. You know, don't just give them truth, but incarnate truth. We know that kids... Their biblical literacy is not real high, (laughs) but it's not like they don't want to learn. Right, right. Someone needs to teach them and incarnate those truths as we as we talked about already. Yeah, that's and that's exactly how I see this, Mike, is a lot of people who come and visit Portland, they're like, oh, my goodness. But I do think that he is still here doing something here 
And what an opportunity amongst a bunch of chaos and confusion and riots and broken homes and fatherlessness. What an opportunity for the light of Christ to come in and shine brightly. Oh, Roy, no kidding. Christians are supposed to be known as those who run to the fire. When God began to make it clear that he was relocating us to Idaho, it took me five years to say yes. I didn't want to leave. I felt like I wanted to see transformation come to Portland until recently. I came back almost every month to do a variety of things. Sure. And I tell you, I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be now in Idaho, but I see really amazing things going on in the city. Amen. Well, Mike, this has been a hoot. And thank you so much for being on the radio today and also just for the legacy that you've left us, that the spiritual legacy in all that hard work and dedication and commitment and following Jesus here. And so thank you. You bet, Roy. Good to chat with you, man. Now, how about you? Are you flourishing where God has planted you? Are you using your gifts and opportunities to the fullest? Are you connected to God so that you can connect with people to build his kingdom and bring him glory? Well, the Ambassadors Forum is here to help. Please visit our website at theambassadorsforum.com to check out so many of our helpful resources. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you.